The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Good to see you. My name is Josh. I'm the pastor here. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Genesis chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And I want to make one thing real clear just to kind of get it out in the open. Casey, can you put that slide up I asked for earlier? Uh, in our house, we are a Dallas Cowboys house. So um, the, Bible is, the Bible makes it really clear. How can two walk together except you be in agreement? And so in order for this message to go the way it needs to go today, we need to all be in agreement that the Cowboys are going to beat the Packers this morning. Amen? If you can't agree with that, um, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and leave right now. It's a good time. I'm kidding. We love you. We can all walk in agreement together. Genesis chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. We're continuing our series called Creature of Habit. And what we've been doing is over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the habits of our life and, and really investigating them. We are all creatures of habit. We all, uh, God made us with this, uh, this, this wiring inside of us that is looking to, to create habits. And habits are powerful. And so what we're doing in this series is looking at how we can harness these habits for our good and for the good of the kingdom of God and for the good of people all around us. Uh, if you were here last week, we began looking at the good habits of our life and how we can begin to, to kind of, from the broad perspective, move towards good habits. And we talked about the, it's the little things, it's the little obediences, it's the little, the little things that we do that lead to these kerplunk kind of moments where there's breakthrough that takes place in our life, where everything seems to fall into place, everything works out the way it's supposed to, but it comes from us doing the little things consistently over a long period of time. Now today I want to talk to you about uh, a keystone habit. And if you are here last week, we talked about these, these things called keystone habits. And they're habits that are influencer habits. They're habits that, that lead to other good habits uh, taking form in our life. And I want to, for the next four weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at four keystone habits that we can all have in our life. And I want to be honest with you, the, the habits I'm going to talk to you about may not be the ones that you think I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, there's obviously, there's a lot of spiritual habits that you can have in place in your life. And I think for the most part, we know about a lot of those. I want to talk to you about maybe some keystone habits that you don't realize are important to have in place in your life so that you can become who it is God called you to become. So today I want to, I want to start by looking at the habit of connectedness, the habit of connectedness. All right. The habit of connectedness. God designed us to be connected. He didn't design us to be isolated. He didn't design us to, to, to pull away from the world around us, to pull away from other people. He designed us to walk in connected community with other people. In fact, we have a saying here at New Song Church that we say, we, 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 we declare this all the time. We say, we are better together. In fact, would you say that to the person sitting beside you? Tell them, we are better together this morning. Now turn to the other person that maybe you don't know as well or you don't think you're better with them and tell them, we're better together. Whether you know it or not, you are. And we are. We're all better together. The best version of you is the version of you that is connected in community, that's connected in relationship with other believers. It's, it's how God created you. It's how he designed you. In fact, I've got five points for you this morning, and that leads right into my first point. Point number one this morning is I was created for connectedness. Me and you were created for connectedness. In Genesis chapter 1, we have, we have God creating the world. We have him, him kind of setting everything in motion, setting everything in place. 
And, and as he's doing this, he, he stops for a moment and he makes a declaration right before he begins to create man. And he says this in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, stop and notice something here. God is declaring that he's going to create man here. He's going to form what, what will be his greatest creation in all the world. He's going he's to create man. And as he's doing this, he, he, make, he takes a point to make a statement that he's going to create this man being in his image. But notice, as he declares the image that he's going to be created in, he doesn't declare it in a singular, but in plural. Right? It says, let us make man in our image according to our Likeness. You see, the image of God is an image of community because God is a trinity, okay? Now, if you don't know that, uh, I'm not going to get into all the details of trinity today and how that works. I would encourage you to, to study that on your own, but just know this morning that God is a trinity, that he is three persons, so some call it the Godhead, that consist independently, but they also function as one, and it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All distinct persons with personalities, but function as one with God. And so God declares that he's going to create man in, in, in an image of, of us, in the image of our. And what he's saying is he's talking to himself. But when he talks to himself, he's not just talking to himself. He's talking to the community of himself. And so we see in the very beginning that when God's creating man, he's creating him in his Image and the image of God is the image of community. So me and you were created from community. That's how we were created. And because of that, we function best in our life when we're operating in community with other believers. In fact, my second point this morning is this I was created for connectedness. We were created from connectedness and we were created for connectedness. In fact, just to just one chapter over in Genesis chapter two, you can flip over there, verse. Uh, 18, God is kind of looking at everything that he's creating, and, and he's making declarations as he's creating things. He's, he's putting the birds in the sky, and he's, he's separating the, the water from the land, and he's putting fish in the ocean, and creating animals, and, and creating everything that you see and that you don't see. He's creating it all. And as he's creating these things, he keeps saying over and over and over again, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he creates man. And he, he takes some dirt, and he forms it in his hand, and he breathes life into it, and man is created. And then he makes a statement about man in verse 18. He says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good. Why? Look what it says next. That man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, something hit me like a ton of bricks this week that I think is pretty interesting. This is, this is Adam, the first man ever, created in a perfect environment. He's in Eden. It's perfect. Everything is perfect. The world is in perfect harmony at this, at this point. There's no sin in the world. Everything is exactly as it's supposed to be. Man, Adam, has a perfect relationship with God. Nothing's keeping him from being able to connect with God. And yet God looks at man in that perfect envir environment with a perfect connection to him, and God says it's not good. And God declares that he's alone. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because he doesn't have somebody comparable to him. He doesn't have somebody else like him to walk in relationship because we were created from community. We were created to be connected to other people like us. That's who God is. That's how he's connected to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He wants us to be connected to other people in the same way. 
That's amazing that God looks at us, that, that he can look at you. And even if you have a relationship with God, even if you're connected to God, it's not enough. You have to be connected to other people. We were created for, connect, for, for connection with other people. And, and, and Adam had everything but someone like himself to be connected to. And God said, it's not good. Now, what I'm talking to you about today is very near and dear to my heart, this idea of connectedness. Uh, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, this is something that, that changed my life, that saved my life. See, at one point in my life, um, I had a habit in my life, a bad habit, that was destroying me. And it was the habit of, of, of lusting and of, of viewing pornography. And in my early 20s, I was bound by it. And, and I used to have this, this groove in my mind that I had created that, that kept leading me towards the sin. And it was a Grand Canyon-sized groove. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't like it. I, I wanted to stop, but, but I couldn't. I kept finding myself falling back into the same sins. And I'm a Christian. Uh, I, I'm going to church. I'm working in a church. I was raised in a, in a good home. I was married to a beautiful wife. And yet I cannot seem to overcome this sin. It's, it's destroying me. I knew enough about the Word of God that I knew that, that part of the reason I was not finding the freedom that I needed to find was because I wasn't connecting with other people and, and, and going to other people to, to find freedom. And yet I was terrified to do that. Because I was afraid if, if anybody else knew, I was going to lose everything. My wife might leave me. My family might be ashamed of me. Uh, I, I could lose my job. I could lose my career. I could lose it all. And so what did I do? I pulled away and I isolated myself. And the enemy was was destroying me. He was lying to me, and he was keeping me isolated. And you need to understand that this morning. That's what the devil wants to do in your life. He wants to keep you isolated. He doesn't want you connected because he knows what can happen if you get connected. In fact, my third point this morning is this, is the devil hates connectedness. And you need to realize that this morning. He hates connectedness. He hates connected Christians. He hates people that are connected in other relationships because he knows what can happen if you begin to walk in the image of God like you're supposed to in this world. He knows the kind of power that you can step into when you connect with other Christians, when you connect with other people and don't do life alone. So the devil works overtime to isolate us and to keep us disconnected. And that's what he was doing with me. And he was eating my lunch. He was destroying my life. I was pulling further and further away from the people I needed the most. The Bible talks about one of the tactics of the enemy that he uses in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says this It says, Your adversary, the devil. Now, notice what it says right off the bat your adversary, the devil. You need to realize this this morning. There is a devil, and he is your adversary. He is your enemy. He hates you. He wants to ruin your life, okay? I know there's some churches don't like talking about the devil, but I'm going to tell you about the devil because you need to realize so that you can gird yourself up and be ready and strong to fight against him. Amen? Amen. So it says that he. He's walking about, look at this, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, it's interesting here in this verse, it talks about the devil being like a roaring lion and how he comes after you. Now, I've done a little research on this, and lions, there's lots of different ways that lions will hunt, most of which don't involve them roaring. Because if a lion roars, one of their, the greatest things they have that helps them in, in hunting prey is the element of surprise, and if they roar, they lose that. But there is one particular element uh, or time that they'll be hunting a prey that they will use this, this tactic. And so what they'll do is this. Uh, the lion will be watching a, a, a herd of wildebeests or zebras or antelopes, whatever it may be. 
And they'll begin to watch those animals, and they're looking for something. And they're, they're in, the, br- they're in the, the brush. They're hidden away where the animals can't see them. But they just watch that herd move around. And they're looking for one animal who begins to isolate itself. They're looking for an animal that begins to pull away from the rest of the group or maybe gets left behind by the rest of the group because it's not paying attention. It's not, it's not watching. Maybe it's caught up in its own thing, its own little grass or its own thing that it's, it's grazing on and so it doesn't notice that the herd is continuing to move forward and it gets left behind. Or maybe, maybe the animal has been hurt and injured and so it can't keep up as good as the other animals. Or maybe it's, it's a young animal that's just not paying attention but they'll watch the herd and they'll look for that animal. And then once they see that animal they begin to start setting a trap for it. And what they'll do is, is one of the lions will go to one side of that animal, off kind of in the distance, always hidden, never making itself known, and it will take up a place and just kind of settle there. While the other group of lions go opposite of where that one lion has set itself up. And then this one line that's all by itself will then make a bunch of noise. It will begin to roar. It will come out of the brush. It will make itself known. And what happens is that animal... That's, that's isolated itself, hears the noise and begins to run the opposite direction of the noise. And what does it run into? It runs into, in the words of Admiral Akbar, it's a trap, right? And it gets devoured. And, and, and this is what this scripture is, is kind of pointing out here, that the, the enemy, what he does is he, he's watching us and he's looking for those people that are going to isolate themselves, that are going to pull away, that, that maybe aren't paying attention like they should, or maybe they're getting caught up in their own thing and they're not paying attention and, and they're pulling away from other people around them. And what they don't realize is they're putting themselves in a very dangerous place. And this is where I have found myself. I, I had my own mess that I was dealing with. And I was pulling away and I was isolating myself and the devil was eating me alive. But then there came a day that the truth came out and I began to start talking. I began to start connecting with people in my life. And I connected with, with people like my, my dad and with my wife. And I got honest with them and I got real with them and I let them know I'm struggling and I'm hurting and I need help. And, and I, told, I started telling lots of people People around me, and it was interesting because there were some people that they, they did what I thought might happen. They kind of turned their back on me, kind of abandoned me. But the people that really loved me, what I found is they, they came up near me and they locked arms with me. And, and where I was weak and they were strong, I began to draw strength from their weakness. And I'm telling you, it changed everything. It changed everything. And making that a habit of my life has been the key, one of the biggest keys to me walking in freedom. And it was also a key to other habits coming into my life that created more freedoms and more spiritual strength for me in my life. This habit of connectedness. But listen, it's not something that happens naturally. It's not something that's just going to happen. It's something that we have to pursue. In fact, point number four is this. Staying connected requires commitment. If you're going to connect with other people, you're going to have to be committed to that. You're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have to form this habit in your life and then go after it and pursue it and take little steps towards it all the time so that it becomes one of the, one of the grooves of your mind, that you run to other people, that you have other people in your life that you can connect with. It's something you have to pursue on a daily basis because, listen, we live in a world today that the culture that we live in today is not to connect with other people in real ways. You really think about it. We live in a world today where, where we're, we're kind of doing our own thing. 
And, and there's all sorts of these kind of relationship replacers that exist in the world that we live in today where we can have relationships but not real relationships. You, you can be connected with people but not really ever talking or, or walking with people in any kind of real relationship. And, and, and it, it's bad, it's dangerous for us to, to walk in this stuff. It's, it's possible to be a Christian and walk this way. It's possible. You could be going to New Song Church and not be connected to anybody. You come here and you go into the church service and you, you sit through worship and the message and you raise your hands and you praise God and then you walk out the door and you never connect with a single person. And that's not New Song's fault. <laughs> that's our fault. If we're not pursuing these connections, if we're not pursuing this, you're not going to experience it. We have to go after it. And here's why we don't do it. Here's why we don't always pursue this. Because it's a lot safer to not be in relationships sometimes. I mean, let's be honest. If we're being really real this morning, something I've noticed about relationships and people, and probably you have too, is people can be difficult. You ever notice that? People can be unpredictable and difficult and hard. To, and people will hurt you. I bet everyone in here, if I was to ask, have you ever been hurt by a person in your life? Every hand would go up, right? We've all been hurt. And the problem is sometimes these, these things that happen in our life cause us to start to pull away. What if I get hurt again? What, what if somebody lets me down? What if somebody gossips about me? What if I expose you know, this weakness in my life and, and everybody turns their back on me? What if I do? You know what? I'm just going to play it safe. I, I know Jesus. He, he, I've made him the Lord of my life. I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to... I'll go to church, and I'll read my Bible, and I'll kind of do my own thing, and it's, it's good. It's, it's all good. I, I'll just do me and, me and Jesus, and that's all I need. Well, listen, God looks at that, and he says to you what he said to Adam in the garden. It's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. We need connection. We need to be connected to other believers, and we got to fight isolation, we got to fight this, this nature that's in the world today that says to pull away, that says to, to kind of do your own thing. And we got to reach out and try to, to, to relate to other people and connect with other people in good, godly ways. we got to make that a habit in our life. And so here's what Jesus did. Jesus did something awesome. He came to this world, and he died on the cross, and he paid the price for our sins. He purchased our, our forgiveness. You know, sin separated us from God. Sin kept us from being able to connect with God. And so Jesus took care of sin. He took sin upon himself and died on the cross and purchased our freedom so that we could once again be connected to God in relationship. But then he went beyond that too. Then he established a community in this world whereby which we could come together and we could unify and join together and be in community and be connected with each other. He created the church. And point number five this morning is this. I am called to be connected to the church. Every one of us as believers, we're called to connect to other people through this thing called the body of Christ, through the church. And what we see in scripture is right after Jesus went up and, and took his place at the right hand of God, his position of authority over this world, he, he created and established this church. And the church from the very beginning began to go out and do amazing things in this world as they connected with each other. In fact, look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and prayer. Notice they're connecting, they're in fellowship, they're together, they're eating together. A deep sense of awe came over them all. 
And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Amazing things are happening. Signs and wonders are taking place because people are connecting, because people are pursuing God together. Verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together, look at this, in the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Verse 47. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the early church. This is the Acts 2 church. And I believe this is the model that God has called us to walk in as a church. Notice it doesn't say anything about them being perfect. Do you notice that? (laughs) Because they're not. And you need to realize this. The church is not going to be perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's never going to be perfect because it's filled with people like me and you who are imperfect. But it's not about being perfect. What's it about? It's about being connected. People are connected. They're connecting with God. They're connecting with each other. And they're connecting with a hurting and dying world. And because of that, God is shaking up the world through this church. Miracles are taking place. Lives are being changed. People are seeing Amazing things happen. Why? Because people are connected. People are finding a place to fit. And the overflow of that is generosity and miracles and spiritual growth and influence in the community and the world around them. It's, it's amazing. And this is what God's called us to do, to connect with him, to connect with each other, and connect with our world. And the church is a great way for us to do that. Now, at New Song, we have kind of two major outlets, kind of extensions, whereby which you can connect with each other and connect with the world. And they are, number one is this, is through groups. The first one is groups. Uh, look back at what it says in Acts 2, verse 46. It says, they worship together at the temple each day. Now, that's a picture of kind of what we have here this morning. This is the large group, all together, worshiping together. we got a place for our kids, uh, all the way from the little babies up to the elementary age kids. We're all meeting together, worshiping together in this big group. But look at what it goes on to say. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So we, te- we see them meeting in, in two formats here. One is the big group and one is the small group. And you understand, this is great. What we're doing this morning is awesome. It's great that we come together. And as a, as, a, as a unified body, we come together and we get full of the word and we worship God and we experience the presence of God. That's great, but this isn't enough. Sitting in these rows like this is not enough. God's called us to go into homes and, and to go into coffee shops together and, and to connect in these circles where we can get real with each other. And we can talk about what's really going on in our lives. And we can learn from other people and they can learn from us. And we can disciple each other and grow and, and go work and build things in the community and do things in the city that change the world. This isn't enough. We've got we to take it outside of these walls. And I'm so excited, like Sarah said earlier, next week we're going to be launching some new groups here at New Song Church, and I'm, I'm so excited. It's, we've got, I think, 16 different groups uh, that are open right now. That's not even including all of our groups. We actually have several groups that are closed because they're already full, but 16 different groups that, that you could connect with, and there's all sorts of different uh, groups for wherever you are in life, and, and there's some new groups that we're launching uh, this semester that I'm really excited about, um, one of which is our men's groups. Amen, men? You know, we, we've seen, men, we gotta, we got to step up our game. Because here's the deal. The girls are tearing it up, all right? 
the, the, the his groups of the church are doing so good. And, and we looked at this the other day. 92% of the girls that are involved in our his groups are plugged in and serving in other aspects of the church. That's awesome. And, and the, these girls are, are growing as leaders. I mean, it's amazing what we're seeing take place with these girls. And, and guys, it's time for us to step up. You know, girls have a little bit more natural tendency to want to get together and hang out. Guys, sometimes, eh, we don't really do that, right? Because you're raised as a boy, like a, a kid, you're all raised that you're going to be independent. That's how we're raised. The sons, you've got to grow up, you've got to make your way, you've got to do your own thing. You gotta, and so we, we tend to kind of continue that throughout our life. But listen, we've got to connect. Men, we've got to connect. And, and what we're doing is we're actually relaunching our men's ministry, and it's going to be called Tribe. And here's why we're calling it tribe. A tribe is a group of men that are connected by blood and by a cause. And we are connected by the blood of Jesus. And we are connected by the cause of Christ. And as a tribe, we come together and we say that we are better together than we are apart. And we're going to connect with each other and we're going to lift each other up and build each other up. And so we've got two men's groups starting and we would love for you men to get plugged into those it's going to be really really good we also have a college uh group that we're going to be launching this next semester that we're really excited about we've we've seen a lot of kids start coming to to the church from from uco and different schools around the city and we want to we want to minister to these guys we want to get more into the schools and reach these these young people at this influential time in their life and so but there's all sorts of groups in fact you got a group's flyer when you came in today take a look at that and, and just look at it today and, and pray over it. I'll talk to you more about that in a little bit. But, but you need to get in a group. Now, let me give you five quick, quick things, five quick, quick whys for you to get connected in a group. Okay? Five quick whys. Five quick whys. That's a hard word to say there. Number one is this. I, I just sat down this week and I just started thinking. And these are the things I came up with. Uh, number one, groups connect us to the one another's. Groups connect us to the one another's. Now, let me explain what that means. Uh, the Bible is full of commandments that correspond with us uh, relating to one another. The Bible says we're to love one another, right? It, it says we're to care for one another. We're to support one another. We're to, we're to build one another up. We're to confess our sins and our shortcomings to one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to admonish one another. And you know, that's really hard to do on your own. <laughs> In order for us to, to obey this commandment of God, we have to connect with other people. And, and, and groups are a, are a great laboratory for you to be able to connect with other people and, and be obedient to these various one another's that God's called you to. So, number one, groups connect us to the one another's. Number two, groups enlarge our view of God. You know, if your view of God is limited to just your own experiences, you're going to limit God. You're going to limit God's ability in your life. But when you connect with other people, here's what you find. You start talking to other people, and you get around people who, who are maybe a little bit further down the road than you, or maybe they've had some experiences that you haven't had, and you hear about God's faithfulness in your life. You hear about some of the practices that they put in place that have helped them to step into, into different levels. As you connect with these people, it, it enlarges your capacity for who God can be in your life. And God gets bigger and the world gets smaller and the enemy gets smaller as you connect in small groups with other people. So groups enlarge our view of God. Number three, groups help us know and be known. We all want to know, we all want to know other people and be known. I mean, that's why social media exists, right? Well, Facebook exists so that you can, you can let everybody know, I'm having a latte this morning. Everybody needs to know this. It's pretty good, you know? 
I, I, I need other people to know this. We, we want to know other people through this. The problem is, though, with things like social media, you can pick and choose. And if somebody, you know, rubs you the wrong way or whatever, you can just unfollow. Be friends, but unfollow, right? And so that's what we do. But when you're in a group, you, you, you're forced to get real. You're forced to really talk to people and really bear yourself to people. You're, you're forced to let them know who you really are and what's going on. And you're forced to hear about what's going on in their life and deal with those things and help them walk those things out. Groups help us know and be known. Number four, groups, small groups create big impact. I want you to think for just a moment about some of the most impactful kind of moments of your life. And I bet most of them, if you had like a top 10 most impactful moments of your life, I bet most of them happened in like one-on-one conversations or with a, a smaller group. There's probably a few things that happened at, you know, a concert or a church service or whatever. But I bet a lot of those things that were very impactful for you happened sitting across the table from one person or in a small connection. I know for me it's been that way. So much of the, the things that have led me through my life that have been impactful for me have been in small settings where I, I, I saw someone who was hurting and, and I, I, my, my ability to, to see that and, and grow in my love and care for other people increased. I, I sat across the table from somebody who talked to me about forgiveness one time, and it changed my life. And, and these moments, God wants to, to show up in those moments and speak to you and help you. And these little, small settings can have a big impact on your life. And number five, groups bring out the best in us. Groups bring out the best in us. You know, when we... When we share with other people, when we encourage other people, when we laugh with other people and get together and have fun. And listen, groups are fun. Our group is fun. We have a big old time in our group. It's, it's halfway ridiculous most of the time. And there's something that happens when a bunch of us get together with some pigs in a blanket and start talking about the things of God. God shows up in the middle of that. The Bible says we're two or more gathered together. He's there in the midst of that. He comes into the middle of that and he begins to speak and minister and, and it's amazing what God can do. And, and in our weak moments, we, we draw from other people's strength. In our immaturity, we draw from other people's maturity. Groups are huge. Being connected to other believers, walking in relationship with other believers is huge. And so you need to get in a group. And number two, the other avenue through which uh, we can connect with other people is serving is serving. Serving's a big deal in the body of Christ. Serving was a big deal to Jesus. Jesus had a lot to say about serving. He, he talked about serving all the time. And what's interesting is, when Jesus talked about serving in the Bible, uh, many times the word he used for serving was a Greek word called diakonos. And, and what's interesting is, Paul later would use that Greek word diakonos when referring to ministry. And so what we see there is that ministry is serving, and serving is ministry. Now this word diakonos, here's what it means. Diakonos means an attendant, a servant, an errand runner. Uh, I I read this, a commentator said it like this this week. I thought this was really good. It is a table waiter who is always at the bidding of his customers. It's a waiter, someone who's there to serve other people. Now, I was thinking about this, and, and you know, in our life, When I think about a waiter, I think of restaurant experiences. And I think most of our restaurant experiences come down to three categories. There's good restaurant experiences, right? Where it's good. There's bad restaurant experiences. We've all had those. 
And there's amazing restaurant experiences, right? And, and I hope in your life uh, you've had some amazing restaurant experiences. I, I think of one of the most amazing restaurant experiences I ever had uh, was at a restaurant in Dallas, Texas called Papa's Brothers. Anybody ever been to Papa's Brothers besides me and my wife? A few of you? Okay. Papa's Brothers is unreal. Okay, It's where I, I got engaged to my wife, Sarah, where I got down on my knee and I said, Will you? And she said, I do. Uh, but I, I took her there because this place is ridiculous. Now, I know we're all fasting, <laughs> and, I, and, and this is, I know this is going to be a little hard, but bear with me for a moment. Um, this place is the best steakhouse I've ever been to, and the steak there is so, so good. And, and, and part of the reason why is because of the care they put into preparing the medium of steak. These guys, they ain't joking around. They have their own cows <laughs> that they raise that they will butcher for these steaks. Like they're raising them to be killed so that we can eat them at Papa's Brothers. Sorry if you're a vegetarian, I'm offending you right now, but I'm a meat eater, so deal with it, all right? Um, but they, they raise these cows, they butcher them, they have these guys that, that prepare the meat, they have three full-time chefs that are there working around the clock. They do this thing called, called dry aging the, the beef where they take it into this refrigerator and all the moisture is pulled out of the meat and it gets more, it says in the thing, it gets more nuttier and more flavor comes out of it. Um, it it's, it's, it's crazy good, okay? You put the steak in your mouth and it just kind of dissolves inside of your mouth. It's awesome. And uh, beyond the food, how good the food is, is the service there. When you go, they, they treat you like royalty. You feel like, like you are amazing. They, there's somebody that's caring for you. The environment is really cool and really nice. And someone is there kind of watching over you, but they're not like overly watching over you. Like somehow they stay right in that pocket of just enough, but not too much. And they'll come by after every, every dish that's served and kind of make sure everything is good and in order. And they have this little metal table crummer. I asked them what it was called. It's called a table crummer where they scrape up the crumbs from your table so you don't have to deal with those nasty breadcrumbs. <laughs> but it's awesome. And, and every time I've ever been there, I, I leave feeling like I have been given the gift of steak, right? Even though I just gave them a whole lot of money I feel like I got, a better, I got the better end of the deal. And, and here's why. And, and I always feel this way too. I always feel after I leave, I, I, I want to go back. Even though it costs a lot, I, I think, okay, I'm going to save up and I'm going to go here again. Because here's the thing. Great experiences we want to have over and over again. Right? Bad experiences we don't. <laughs> I remember taking Sarah to this restaurant one time and, and she got ordered a burger. And, and so she was getting ready to put some mustard on her cheeseburger and she pulled back the bun and there was a dead fly sitting in the middle of her cheese. And so she did not eat her food. Somehow I powered through, but she... And we never, we never went back there again. Uh, why? Because it was bad. And, and maybe you've been to a restaurant before where the, the service is bad. The food may be really good, but the service is so bad. You know, when that happens, we, we make inner vows. I'm never going there again, right? And then you've been to good restaurants before, you know, or you go and it's like, oh, that was that's good. Yeah, that was, you know, it was okay. It was so-so. I might go back, we'll see. Now here's what I'm getting at with all this. The difference between these is, the difference between really the good and the amazing is in the detail that goes into serving this product. See, Papa's Brothers is so good because they put everything they have into making sure that you experience the medium of steak and the best possible light. And because of that, you can. 
Because of that, you can fully enjoy what they have to offer there and experience it in an amazing way. Now, where am I going with all this? Here's where I'm going. Um, as Christians, we're called to ministry, right? The Bible says this in, in 1 Peter 2, 9, talking about one of the main things we're all called to do. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Who's it talking to? Christians. That's us. We're this royal priesthood. We're God's special possession. And then it, it, it's, it's telling us, so that, like the so that is the next thing, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. If you're saved, if you're a Christian, you're called to declare the praises of God. You're called to be in ministry. Now remember, Jesus said that ministry, and Paul said that ministry and serving are the same thing. They go hand in hand. So, so if that's the calling, if we're called to do ministry, if we're called to serve, I don't want to just be good. I want to be great. And here's why. Because I serve a great God. And he didn't just give me a good gift. He gave me his best. He gave me everything he had. The best he could possibly do. He served me to the fullest extent that he possibly could. And as a church, let me just tell you, I don't want to be a good church. I want to be an amazing church. And I don't, and I don't want it to be about me. It ain't about me. It's about the product of Jesus that is the best product in this world. A product that everybody needs. You know, there's a lot of churches in the city, and we all have the same product. But what separates how pe people are going to receive it is how we serve it up to them. The work and the effort that goes into us setting the table so that they can experience Jesus in, in the way that honors him and glorifies him and praises him. And something interesting about really great restaurant and really great food. Um, you've probably experienced this before. If I had just eaten a meal at, say, I don't know, El Chico's, okay? <laughs> just first restaurant that came to my mind. Taco Bueno. How's that, babe? Good? Taco Bueno. And I'm full. I just ate. And somebody was to come up to me and they were to say, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to take you to Papa's Brothers and buy you a steak. And I'm full. You know what I'm going to say? Let's do this. <laughs> and here's why. Because my hunger for that food is not based on the fact that I'm starving or that I'm malnourished. It's based on the fact that it tastes so good. KJ's following me. The Bible says in Psalms 34 verse 8, taste and see, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know how people taste and see that the Lord is good? Through us, setting the table so that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. And me and you make a way for that. And as a church, I want to do everything we can as a church to set the table so people can experience Jesus in the best possible light. I want people to fully taste, see, and experience the love and the goodness of God. And I want to do this because Jesus deserves it. I want to invite the band to come up at this time. And as they're coming, if you have your Bible, turn with, with me to Philippians 2. If you don't have your Bible, you can look up here with me on the screen. But in this verse, we see what Jesus did for us. The, the heart behind what Jesus was doing for us. In Philippians 2, starting verse 3, look at this. It talks about what we're supposed to do in response and how it relates to what Jesus did. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. 
Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let, look at this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the mind of Christ Jesus? Here it is. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But look at this. Made himself of no reputation. He laid down everything he had in heaven to come to this world. And taking on the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Thank you, Jesus. And given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As I was just reading this just now, I felt like God spoke to me and told me to tell you this. There's some of you that haven't bowed your knee to serving in the church. You need to bow. You need to quit making excuses. I'm not trying to be mean, but this is who we're called to be. If we're going to be the Acts 2 church, this is what we got to do. Jesus gave us everything. He bowed his knee. How dare us? say we're too good for that he was God in heaven is God in heaven came to this earth laid everything down to serve us that's that's what he did it's amazing he served us to the fullest extent he possibly could and I believe he deserves nothing but the same amount of effort from each and every one of us and helping others experience his love and his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his healing we set the table we set the table And this is what I see the church doing. I see a church that facilitates Jesus ministering to people. Our job is to help people so that they can come into this place and they can eat of the bread of life and they can sit with the king. And they can be ministered to by Jesus. And man, we got a lot of people in this church that are doing a really good job of that. I was thinking this morning about some different people. I think of guys like Nathan Bailey. Is Nathan in here this morning, Nathan Bailey? Yes, Nathan. Nathan's awesome. Nathan serves in our twos and threes classroom. He comes early in the morning and he helps us unload trailers. He, he loads trailers back up. He goes in that twos and threes classroom with those little guys and plays with them and teaches them. And I mean, he's a guy that gets it. I think of guys like Casey Bush. Casey, wave your hand. He's sitting back there in the darkness. Casey's here every week. Casey's the guy that's responsible for these slides. And so if you see stuff that's misspelled or whatever, that's Casey's fault, right? <laughs> But Casey's awesome. Casey's here early. He's here unloading these trailers at 6.30 with the band. He's here. He stays late. He does all this. He, he helps put our videos together, shoots them. Does, and he just does it because he, he gets it. I think of people like Andrea Tompkins, who's in our nursery right now. And she's in there teaching babies and changing diapers and having babies spit up on her. And she's taking the word and she's breaking it down for those little babies. You know, in our nursery, we don't just babysit. We, we teach kids the Bible, even in the nursery. We teach them the basics of it, that Jesus loves you. And he came. We have little Bibles in there, and they've got stickers of Jesus in it. And we show kids Jesus is in the Bible. We love the Bible. Oh, we, and we, we're teaching them the sincere milk. The Bible talks about the sincere milk that we begin with. We're, we're building disciples. And it starts in there. And there's people that are getting it. I think of, of, of guys like Tondurai, Basapo Moyo. There's a mouthful who serves in our uh, Boomtown class. And he's in there smiling and high-fiving kids and playing with them. And, and he gets it. And he's connected. He, he's got his team he's connected with and he's connecting with those kids and he's doing ministry. 
And this is what God's called us to do, every one of us, to connect in some way. How can you connect today? That's my question for you. We were created from connectedness. God made us to be connected. And we, we work and function best when we are con- connected because we were created for connectedness. The devil doesn't want you connected. He knows what can happen in your life if you get connected. So he's gonna do everything he can to try to isolate you and keep you from, from, from being connected. So you gotta fight. You gotta, you gotta commit to it. You gotta commit that you're gonna pursue this, that you're gonna make this a habit of your life, that you're gonna go after it. You're gonna get real with people. And if you do that, one of the great ways to do that is through the church, through groups and through serving. So I've had homework for you, right? The last couple of weeks here in the series, I got homework for you today. Here it is. Get in a group and get on a team. Get in a group and get on a team. What can you do? How can you, how can you serve? Now, when you came in, uh, you got that group's flyer. I wanna encourage you, take this and look at it and pray over it this week. And here's, here's a step. Here's a step for you, an action step for this week. As you look at it, if one of these groups stands out to you, and it will, I believe it will, I want you to look on there. I want you to email the person that's over that group and just tell them that you, you want to be in their group. And, and just email them and let them know, hey, I looked and I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to be in your group and I want to connect with you. And then next week you can go meet them out in the lobby and you can learn more and connect with your group. Man, this is so important. Make sure you do this. You're going to email a group this week. Amen? And then we need people to serve. Listen, there's a lot of people that are helping us get it done, but we need more because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. God wants to give us more people in this church. He wants to give us more kids, but we're hitting our maximums. We're getting to the place where we, we're gonna have to, we need more people to, to plug in so we can, we can serve more. We need more people. Listen, there, there's a place for you, a good place for you. We, we need, uh, we need um, people that are willing to come and help us unload a trailer. Once a month, come once a month, get here early, help us unload a trailer, help us load a trailer. Just once a month. Can you do that? Is that something you could do? Uh, maybe you're, we need some females in our Boomtown classroom to come and, and serve in there and to be a, an example to some of those little girls of, of what a godly woman can look like. I remember being a kid. I remember being outside one day in elementary school and I was playing football and a couple of the high school football players came out and started playing football with us. And I remember it was like the greatest moment of my life to the point that I was in fifth grade. I remember thinking, when I'm in high school, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna be nice to the little kids. We don't realize how big of an impact you can have on these little kids. You probably see this as a big deal to me, right? And listen, God's blessed us. You know, about as many people as we have in this room right now is how many kids we have in classrooms right now. It's amazing. God's given us that. Why? Because we're stewarding it well. But we need more people to help us to continue to steward it well and continue to grow. I'm not trying to pressure you. Here's what I'm, I'm trying to show you. You need to get connected. This isn't for just the benefit of this church. This is for the benefit of you. Get plugged in. So take a connect card today. If you're not serving somewhere, listen, we'll, we'll work with you. We'll work with your schedule. We want to help you find the right way to connect. But take this card. And on the back of it, it says, I'd like to learn more about serving. Check that box. Fill out the information. And we'll contact you and, and help you to get plugged in and serving. Let's all get connected. Let's make the habit of connectedness the habit of our life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you made a way so we could connect to God, that we could connect to the Father. We could, once we were bound by sin, but you made it possible so we could connect to to you and have a relationship with you. And Jesus, we're so grateful, so grateful for that today, Lord. 
Thank you. And Lord, we thank you for the church. We thank you for this, this, this not organization, but this family that you've given us that we can join, uh, lock arms with, and, and connect with other people. Lord, I pray that there's people in here, they would have faith to step out and get connected in a group. They would have the kind of faith that would help them to step out and get connected and serving, Lord, so that, so that you can do in their life what you want to do. You can bless them. You can, you can help them to connect in relationships with some of the best friends of their life that they don't even know yet. God, I, I thank you that out of these connections are going to be lifelong connections, lifelong friendships that change the impact of our life. Marriages for our kids will come out of some of these connections. Lord, you're going to do amazing things through this. And so, God, we say to you that we are willing. You gave everything, and so we're willing to give everything to you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.